This is Comictating, the comic book review arm of the Nerdables family of podcasts. Let the nerds take over! Us? Huh? What's up, comic fans? Welcome to another issue of Comictating. My partner Sebastian and I here in finally sunny California after days and days and days of unseasonably well like not unseasonably rain it should be raining but it never does at least for the last couple of years yeah we've had that drought so it's been the first rain we've really had in many many years i think the last time i saw anything like this it was like 2004 i seem to remember early where i'm going every other day it was raining but yeah right. last week just rain all day sunday pouring on sunday it was crazy yep and that uh, still doesn't take us out of the drought no because so. most of that water is now wasted uh but it yes. does help you know your reservoirs and lakes and stuff like yeah. that that's uh, out where I live is Lake Sherwood, okay. uh, West Lake Thousand Oaks, it's and like last water yeah, l- last couple of years you know driving by it there's there's a spot when you go through these really 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 nice homes, uh, but there's a little like I don't know it's like a finger of the lake or whatever, and it's just been dry like crazy and now it's it, you know it's like you can't see the ground anymore hey oh yeah so it's just kind of an interesting way to like as you're driving through the spot that you would go through. I go through like every two weeks or so, and the last time I went through, when I went through like a Monday, I was like, oh, hey, this is cool. Oh, yeah, I live near the L.A. River, or at least an area of it, and uh, when I do uh, my outdoor walks a couple times around the block, you you go right over it, and it's actually interesting to like, hey, there's water There's actually there. water in it, and then people try to raft in it for some reason. For, yes, for some You're reason. Hurt. <laughs> Please don't raft in the L.A. River. It's gross, and... It is pretty not. gross. It is pretty gross. It must be tough because you can't shoot any movies because yeah. so many movies use the L.A. River with no water in it as, you know, cars driving down it and going crazy. How and will Fast like and the Furious survive without the L.A. River being dry? Indeed. Those seven movies they put out in like two years. It's probably like 30 more. And I think oh. I seem to remember oh, I, Vin I, Diesel saying something like when six came out, he's like, yeah, I got four more to do. And I'm like, what, what, what more can you do? But I can't wait for Fast and Furious in space. Oh yeah, no, yeah. That's coming Just seeing like day, yeah, seeing day. like Dodge Chargers shoot out of the ISS station. <laughs> oh yeah, they'll a, you know close up yeah, the International to, like, Space Shuttle. Yeah, you know like close up to like the tailpipes as it's revving up. Yeah, you know an astronaut like slamming the button that opens up the pod bay doors. Shoots out like Battlestar Galactica yeah. vipers. Exactly. And then just through space, <laughs> he's got lasers on his car. Exactly. The high beams kill the aliens. <laughs> just. It's weird. They'll probably do that. You just get to a part where you're you're a sure. farce of yourself. You're like the hell with it. We're just we'll just do this. I mean, finally somebody gets that these movies are ridiculous and they're not taking themselves <laughs> seriously. I'm pretty sure that stopped after one. Oh yeah, yeah. The weird thing and is, and the, the weird time like time jumps like some movies take place before other movies. And I've never really tried to CGI it out. Paul Walker's. Yes, I just know my parents saw Fast and Furious three in the theater because they'd gone to the theater to see some movie and they just didn't know what they wanted to see. So they're like, oh, we'll do this. This one. And they're like, oh, that was kind of fun. It's like a lot of cool drives. You ever seen one of those? I'm like, no. With their cars with like 12 shifts. Yeah. The gears just. There's all those different. How many, how many gears are you going through? Speaking of shifting, let's shift to comics. That was sweet. Yeah, I like that. Uh, we've got some books to talk about this week. It is January 25th. A couple of intriguing uh, number ones for a new series from DC. We also have the Civil War Oath one shot. One thing I want to talk about is Avengers number one dot MU. This is the Monsters Unleash. I'm going to put in air quotes tie in. We both really liked Monsters Unleash last week, and I just thought this was kind of odd. Uh, Avengers number one is heavy on Spider Man. We have Spidey in New York. He meets his one of his stoolies, one of his informants. The informant lets him know that they're the five families are getting back together, uh, the mob, 
and there's a big meeting in Boston because why hold it in New York? Because the Inhumans and the X Men and the Avengers sure, and the fact that everybody lives there. You don't want to be there. So it's going to be Boston, and then he gets a phone call as Peter Parker. He needs to be on a plane in a few hours, so he goes to the Avengers, who's he mem- he's a member of, and asks them, "Hey, come down, help me take care of this. We need to be done quickly." So they go down, they take care of it, they're done quickly. Walk outside with a big boom, and there's the monster. His plane ain't taking off anytime yeah. soon. And then it goes into the pages, which are the pages from from the monsters from Unleashed the monsters book. unleashed comic. Yeah, they're they're they the pages are just taken and put into this book. The, the Avengers pages from it. Yeah, the other pieces aren't with it. I mean, I mean that's what I'm with a few with a few. You know, there's like pages yeah. around those pages that are more insertions of different characters, but. Almost word for word. Yeah, and since it isn't listed as Steve McNiven, I'm assuming it's Sean Izoski. But it sure looks like McNiven's pages yeah. from, from Monsters Unleashed. Now all of a sudden I wish I'd brought a Monsters Unleashed with it because this looks very familiar and I'm pointing at certain panels here with both Sebastian and I looking at it. It just seems like an odd thing where it's just, this is exactly the comic you read just last week. Right. Well, you gotta look for the, uh, for some reason, Miss Marvel is very indignant about the use of the word kaiju. Uh, so if that's in there, then we'll know that these pages... Uh, I thought it was early, wasn't it? It may have been really early, but that uh, was one of the things that stuck out was like, no, it's a kaiju, it's a giant monster. It's a- I seem to remember the well done, everybody, in that. And it's just like, it's... Because I remember the don't say feels. Yes, that's exactly one uh, of those things, too. Yeah. Uh, Spidey's fighting the monster. This big fellow's not in the mood for my shenanigans. That hurts me in the feels. Uh, wasps, is be, be honest as anyone... Ouch, that hurts, Wasp. Deep down in the fields. Don't say feels. Um, teamwork is a team, team. No, because Miss Marvel wasn't a part of this. Right, Miss Marvel was part of the champion. So it was a different, yeah, it's a different piece. Of the book. So yeah, those those pieces aren't in here. Boy, so, yeah, this it looks it like McNiven. It looks like it's just the McNiven pages of the Avengers yeah. fight itself. So it's two, three. This is great radio. Five, seven, nine, eleven. Yeah, there's 14 pages of like new story. And then they kind of go from there. I, it was just an odd thing. I don't know why I wanted to point it out. I just, I guess in reading it, it was it was sort of disappointing. I was like, I thought I got a full-size thing. It's a, it's a weird thing. Marvel's doing a lot of this kind of stuff that seems to make people upset. And that seems to be one of them. So we're putting it out there. There's a Spider-Man Deadpool book for MU this week. And I, it, it is all new material. That is all so new that's, material, So that's yes. kind of cool. Uh, so just, I don't know why. I just felt like my civic duty, I guess, to make sure, sure that I said it. Um Consumer protection. We're yes. We're As we're in guys. Monsters Unleashed, which is their sort of mini event, uh, we're also dealing with the fallout of Civil War II. This brings us to Nick Spencer and Rod Reese's Civil War II, The Oath. Uh, it is a mirror of a one-shot after Civil War, which, of course, uh, the original one, which, of course, Steve Rogers was uh, gunned down on the steps of the Capitol courthouse. Hill. Courthouse. Yeah. Courthouse. And Tony, who was his opponent in Civil War, comes to see his body. And he's kind of waxing poetic as to what right. BMU would be. Uh, this is Steve coming to the critically injured, sort of dead, almost dead, probably dead. In some sort of stasis machine. Yes, uh, stasis machine, Tony. And starts to talk about what the MU is. It's um, and this is in what's interesting enough is sort of the first bit of confirmation that Tony may not necessarily be dead for the moment, where we're finally getting a here's Tony's body. He's in stasis right now. We don't know what that means. We don't know if he's going to die or not. Yeah, because his reactor is still on. Right. The reactor is uh, is definitely on in these pages, as you can see it glowing while he's in this pod. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot of Steve just kind of talking over 
Uh, and then it flashes back to where Steve is sworn in as the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. Maria Hill is out. Steve Rogers is in. Excuse me. Uh, the S.H.I.E.L.D. Act that, you know, expands his powers as to what S.H.I.E.L.D. with Captain Rogers as uh, its head can do within the borders of the United States and what he can do f- uh, throughout in the world. In space, basically, as yeah. well. And so there is a, you know, there's pages of reaction to it. It's a lot of, as long as Steve's in charge, then I'm okay with him having that kind sure, of power. Sure. If, if we have this type of person... We're okay with, it. and then we catch up with our Occupy Avengers crew, Red Wolf and, and Clint Barton. We see Spidey, Miles Morales, and the Wasp. Miles has come to see uh, Steve as, as takes the oath as the head of Shield on the Capitol steps, then gives a speech. It's very much like an inauguration. Um, it's an interesting book because it sets up kind of where you're at right now in the Greater Marvel U, and kind of where we're going. And of course, within it is the fact that Steve is a member of Hydra. Right. Um, which was spoiler the big reveal from the first issue of Captain America where he returned yeah, like six seven months ago. Everyone and through it, yeah, crazy. We, <laughs> went everyone crazy. So she, he's kind of got these plans, and again, he's thinking he's the good guy. There's two interesting things here because he kind of mentions that he keeps saying that guy, almost referring to himself before the Cosmic Cube right. changes his history. Um, and then it also shows us what Carol's going through as the quote unquote victor of the Civil War. Um, as her as the head of Alpha Flight, she wants to build a shield around the Earth, which is sure. something we saw in Captain Marvel last month or last right. week that both Sebastian and I went, huh? Yeah, exactly. We finally have a bit of a bit more of a clarification on what exactly is going on. That's why I said space earlier. But yes, Alpha Flight has basically a giant wall around the Earth in a way. We're gonna make the aliens pay for it. We're gonna make the gonna make all the aliens pay for it. So she's got a giant space station where they have refugees, and they're sort of taking in almost like a a space Ellis Island. Which is what uh, Captain Marvel number one was about, was these refugees that were coming and her uh, push for this shield. Um, Cap isn't looking for it. Uh, He says this is a bad idea. So there's a lot of that kind of stuff. And we have the the Chitauri fleet is coming. They're talking about the fact that... it's bigger than the Annihilation Wave. It's bigger than what happened in Infinity, the alien armada right. that was after them. I still don't know where this threat first came from. I don't remember reading it in Alpha Flight. Sure. Or anything. It's kind of an odd thing, but we know it's there, and they've now mentioned it a couple of times. It has a few echoes is, of yeah. Secret Invasion, which coincidentally was the Skrulls. And yeah, they mentioned that. Originally here supposed as well. to be the Ultimate Universe's version of the Skrulls. The reason I'm, I mean, part of the reason we want to do it is it's an important book if you're interested in the the uh the marvel u as a whole because it is a, it, it helps to set up their recently announced secret empire event that's coming in 2017 which right. is very cap heavy this is where everything i think comes to a head with cap's membership as as a secret hydra agent right and it uh, does a lot to sort of explain his personality change not so much mm-hmm. even from the change in his history but the things that he saw through the the cosmic cube the, the yeah. things that it gave him the pipeline the way that he the alternate views of the history that he's been going through um, you know when he talks, I don't want to spoil too much, but when he's does he get towards the end? This is the, sort of the point of, you know, the the I'm not the man you think I am. Everything he ever did, every memory, every moment is inside of me. Uh, so there just def- definitely seems to be a a a paradigm shift, much like they did with Tony. Yes. Uh, where they had Tony's kind of shift when his consciousness got re-downloaded, and almost a cheat to go, oh yeah, he didn't do all the terrible things in Civil War. Um. But it's definitely a it's a book of its times as we're going through the fears and, and apprehension we have climate. going forward. 
if you're interested in the Marvel U as a whole, it's definitely one to to pick up. Yeah. So it is it, it it's a lot to get through. It is wordy. It is very wordy, but it's um, definitely the book that is but designed. It's well. Yeah, it's well written, but it's definitely designed, at least from my perspective, that uh, when you pick it up, here's everything that happened, and here's everything that's coming down the pipe. So it does a lot of really good catching and up. And does it in a way of why. Right. You know, what Carol's looking for, what, um, you know, uh, uh, what Carol's looking for, what Steve is looking for as this new Steve Rogers that we have. Even, you know, the asides with Clint and and red wolf of clint just going there's no point in going back this is what we're doing is important so we're going to do this here that sort of thing so it's definitely one that that uh don't let it scare you away Uh, like i said if you're interested in it pick it up uh if you're interested in where it's going pick it up it helps set up things there too because i mean for me kind of being in and out of that cap book it was helpful to be able to read a whole cap story like that right and finally get at least a halfway decent like okay i see what what he's doing The, you know, the the time of trying to hide a lot of what's going on is finally sort of lifted in this book. Yeah, and, and giving us a notion of the fact that he almost feels two different histories. Right. Uh, knowing who he is now and who he was before right. the cube kind of altered his own history, I think is interesting. And, and again, I think it might give them an out where it's almost a personality that they can right. kind of crush through. It wasn't me, it was this guy. Yeah. Stuff like that. Wasn't me. Uh, so we have two very interesting DC books this week. We do. Very, very uh, exciting DC books. A book books. that actually I wasn't on my radar at all called Odyssey of the Amazons. Uh, this is the Amazons of Wonder Woman, but as the t- the wording above the title says, long before Wonder Woman. Right. So this is ancient times and a group of Amazon sisters on a quest through the world. Very different than Diana's quest in terms of showing man, showing the patriarchy world piece and this is uh amazons looking for amazons yes in a way. Uh, yeah and I, not even so much specifically amazons but amazons looking for other immortal women immortal women with, cultures. Yeah, with strength and, yeah yeah so I, it's an it's it's a, it's an emergency it reminds me very much in terms of star wars lore of what mandalore was there's no yes, true mandalorian yeah. it was if you became a mandalorian from wherever you were you adopt the armor and you adopt the code and you adopt everything with it you are a mandalorian going forward right sort of the it's same like a idea here yeah and I always kind of thought that with Amazons, too, that it wasn't just natives of Themyscira. It would be people from around the world that would sure. have that kind of power base. And and they do. So, and they, what they did in the book, I think, was a very nice way of having their cake and eating it, too. There are true Themyscirans, true Amazons of Hippolyta, of the Greek <laughs> mythology, who, who do exist and were created by the gods. But the Amazons also set on a quest to shore up their numbers by just finding other immortals across the globe. And yeah. I thought that was... A very, very interesting way to do it. Kevin Gravu is the the writer of the book. And I'm definitely intrigued to know there was a little bit of controversy. People weren't quite sure because apparently there had been a few pitches for a similar book to this one, but his is the one that won out. And I say, this is really, really good stuff and really, really intriguing. I like Greek mythology. So anything that adds on to the DC version of that is A-OK by me. Very, very enjoyable. The carry, the characters are incredibly enjoyable in this book. The art, beautiful. I Ryan Benjamin is fantastic. Um, yes, yes. Ryan Benjamin comes from the, the old Wildstorm studio. Uh, I can't remember what the first book he called it. He did a sci-fi book early on. It was really good. I think he did some Star Wars work as well. Uh, so his stuff is, is fantastic. It is, you know, it's kind of set in that uh, Greek, Aztec, uh, Roman, Viking time. Yes. 
they are traveling the world. Obviously, the, the Odyssey point is there. They've been on this mission for a long time. Yes, yeah. They're in Africa. They are missing. They're in Asia. They're going to the New World. So the Amazons have been sent out to find all of these uh, s- people with with similar abilities that aren't necessarily Amazons or Themyscirans, but for them to give to give them a home, in essence, come to us. We are an island of immortal women, and we are sort of the emissaries. I liked it. I like the character designs in it. I like that they're sort of jumping from different time to different time, and you're sort of picking up a new character once every couple pages because you'll see this one fight, and the Amazons sort of show up. Hey, come join us. Then they go to another locale, and a couple of the people that you saw in that first fight have shown up in the second fight. There's a lot of carryover in this. I actually really, really enjoyed this book. Yeah, this was uh, one of the ones that wasn't, like I said, it wasn't on my radar beforehand. I hadn't heard any of the stories for it. And so being able to to get a chance to flip through it and look at the art and go, well, I really like Ryan Benjamin yeah. um, as a fan of his. We went through um, reading the book and it's like, this is this is really good. I like this type of this type of setup. And it's a crazy, I mean, they run into, there's a samurai in the group. Right. There's, uh, you know, they start off in Africa. They're headed towards, they're headed north into the nordic yeah like the um, barbarians and so yeah really, really, really uh, interesting just like hey let's take this monsters mythology it's got all the good stuff in it so yeah yeah a book that kind of not on our radar that came through really good i like this type of this type of um you know swords and sandals that kind of type yes and it's like the, the characters in it are really good and the, the conflicts within it kind of make sense as some of the girls want to go home. Right. Some of the women want to go home, excuse me. Right. And they don't um, want to uh, deal yeah. with like And there's a the there's group. a younger yeah, there's a younger set. These are people that are just kind of added to the group. And so they're kind of their own group and then there's the leadership group and the sort of uh, right. older warriors and that's kind of how this goes forward. So. Especially because they it's are supposed cover, to be... Yeah, oh, the cover is awesome. They're supposed to be very multicultural and from different backgrounds, and there is that subsection that's like, I don't know if I like being beholden to the Greek gods yeah. and Hippolyta. I just kind of want to go home. Yeah, specifically a character that was a... Uh, was she an Aztec princess? I, I think, think so. Yeah, uh, and she was like, I had a great life. Uh, so we go from there. Uh, but, but, you know, taking through there. But they all volunteer to, to be a part of this. Right. Um as they they feel some stirring to go forward but uh good book oh yeah really good book. oh yeah really enjoyed it the six issue miniseries and really looking forward to the rest of it um ryan benjamin does all the issues it's one of those ones that may end up on a shelf a nice little hardcover right there uh, our final book is the commandy challenge this year would mark the uh if he were still alive 100th birthday for jack kirby uh, best known for creating about 90% of the stalwart Marvel heroes. Right, and the, a lot of the DC Fourth World yeah. characters. And then when he went to DC, Fourth World, New Gods, and of course Commandy, which many uh, quote-unquote experts, uh, if I can use Dr. Hatfield's name, who teaches the course at CSUN, who did a wonderful exhibit on Kirby's art last year at California State University, Northridge. Uh, Commandy is his favorite work, especially his favorite DC work. So we have the Commandy Challenge. Um, I'm taking from Dan DiDio's afterward, uh, two years of planning and prepping, a first issue of their biggest comic event of the new year so far, Commandy Challenge, a series is a labor of love for everyone involved. So we get to celebrate the work of one of the industry's greatest creators, Jack Kirby, while playing with one of his greatest characters, Commandy, the last boy on Earth. Uh, he talks about not approving a new Commandy series as they've gotten a lot of pitches to do so 
um, and a lot of different creators and great creators and almost seeming like they couldn't decide on who'd be best, which one they would want to choose one over the other. So they came up with an idea of a challenge to pit creator versus creator. Uh, this is the quote from the afterward quote, a challenge to pitch creator, pit creator versus creator. Not only to see whose vision best captured the spirit of King Kirby's work, but also learn who could create the best story traps for other writers to escape, end quote. I like the idea of it. It's a great idea. So what they've done is it's basically it's an old story uh, kind of story exercise. You can do it in prose as well. Where you right. write something crazy. Yeah, you get two or three paragraphs and you got to leave it for the next person to do another. And you're two or leaving three paragraphs. it in a cliffhanger. Uh, essentially. Yeah, cliffhanger that who knows how that person is going to get their characters out of that. I said for the Star Wars, Kevin J. Anderson kept doing that to himself. He'd write <laughs> these new Jedi and Luke Skywalker into this corner and go, hmm. Can't get him out of this one. So they pushed the Armada out of space with the Force. The wizard did it. Uh, there's another creator that I can't remember who it was is talking about that. He kept doing that to himself where he kept putting people in corners. I think Bendis said he did the same thing with Daredevil where he just kept going down the rabbit hole and then got to the bottom and went, oh, crap, how do I get out of this? He got to the, some of the darkest times for Daredevil. Yeah, but also the idea of, of him being Matt Murdock being outed and not really wanting to do the wizard did it, you know, to go backwards but going yeah it's just kind of like well now i gotta figure out what to do from here um so commandy is a it's it's a i want to say gimmick book but there's a gimmick to it you know in a a good way uh as different creators take each chapter we start with uh danadio writes the first one with keith given doing the art uh scott kolbush doing the inking when i was reading through it i thought it was rick leonardi which yeah. was interesting, and then Dan Abnett and Dale Egersham take the next, uh, the next, uh, the next phase, the next uh, piece through it. It's uh, it's it's almost like Wednesday Comics in the sense that there's these great creators that sure. are working on these small pieces uh, for a single character. If any of you, if any of you are old enough to remember Wednesday Comics, Wednesday. that they always promised to do a second volume of, and they, they never, never did. did. Uh, some of the most beautiful work. It's awesome stuff. There's, there's this huge oversized hardcover, which I can't remember where mine is now because I've only read like half of it. But yeah, there was great stuff. But basically, it was a big, you know, uh, newspaper, newspaper size. size piece that then got reprinted into this huge oversized book. It was it was great. But there they kind of felt the same way in, in, in a different sensibility of that. All these creators that wanted to work on Batman and Wonder Woman and right. Blue Beetle and all this. And like, well, why don't we do small stories and we'll do it in a different format that people will love. This is a 12-issue miniseries, and again, you've got so many different creators doing each one, and it's this fun thing. Where it ends here, you know, Commandy is on the brink of something that's going to happen that's going to destroy the entire world. I wouldn't really say what it is, but it's going to be cool to see next month how you write out of it. Yeah, I mean, you put yourself in a a corner. creator writing out Yeah, you're just given, like, here, go for it. Um, And we've seen that. uh, 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 Who took over after Bendis? For Daredevil, I didn't mean to bring it back. Was it Azarello, or was it Brubaker? I think it, I think it was a little bit of Ed Brubaker because that was some think, of the yeah, prison yeah. stuff. Yeah, and that was um, Bendis admitted afterwards when he knew he was going to leave the book. He tried to find these different places where he's like, "I'm just going to put, I'm going to put the next writer who's here just into hell," you know, and almost like a a, a a jerky kind of mischievous mean streak of going, "I'm Good putting luck. Matt in a spot, yeah, where it's like." All right, now you figure it out. And then Brubaker took over Daredevil, and you got some of the best Daredevil stuff. Yeah. Because that that prison arc, Foggy had died. Yeah. It was like, the the piece is like, I'm going to send Matt to jail, and Foggy's going to disappear. 
And Brubaker takes like, okay, well, what if I put Frank Castle in the same jail? Right. Or what if I get to do this and we do these sort of things? And then it went from there. But in a very broader sense, Bendis purposely knew leaving the book, I'm going to leave it in a spot where nobody else can really, I think, take it from and, and see where they get from there with a degree of success for Brubaker. Sure, because if Brubaker is the guy taking over after you, you yeah. you're probably A-OK. I think unintentionally, uh, uh, Jonathan Hickman did that with Fantastic Four. <laughs> he left it in a spot where it's sort of like, well, what story do I tell now? I just had one of the greatest Fantastic Four, Four stories ever. ever. Yeah. And now what the heck am I going to do? Matt Fraction tried, but it just wasn't something that was meant to be. Again, I think I don't think that was intentional, but you kind of get to the Hickman's end of Hickman's run and going, well, that's the end of Fantastic let's, Four. Let's for not me. touch that for a little while, yeah. and then goes back to it in Secret Wars, which is really a Fantastic Four story. It's it really is. a, it a, a Victor and um, uh, Reed. Reed, I want to say Franklin. Um, Commandy was awesome. It was. It's very, so. Very awesome. It's so cool. Very creative. It, it also reminds me because uh, doing some of that is a little bit of Dan Didio staple with something like uh, the Fifty Two series, mm-hmm. where everybody had all these great ideas. Why don't we just do a book with all of them? Yeah, and it's got definitely got that feel, and I really, really like the challenge aspect. I think it's going to be an incredibly creative book. Many, many artists, writers. That's one of those books. Julie that Shorts buy. did this. They had that that challenge as well, where someone would draw a cover, and then you had to draw a story for it. Right. Uh, they done that like kind of behind the scenes for a lot of fill in issues, uh, the 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 drawer stories, and oh God, it's a number of years ago where they took those covers and they kind of did new versions of them. And then had new creators create new stories for those covers. Okay. Uh, again, a very interesting, you know, if you're someone who's enjo- who enjoys that kind of behind the scenes creator process, you're a you know an amateur creator yourself, someone like me that that you know took a lot of creative writing, and um, in school and, and stuff like that. So that part is always interesting to see how they they get out of these different pieces. Uh, also how they get into these these different pieces trying to see who did the cover all of a sudden it's filled with all of the the wonderful create you know characters of commandy the you know animals who yeah the talking talk and it's if you love commandy if you love the classic jack kirby stuff i don't think you'll be disappointed at all especially not at all and again what i like about this format especially since it is going to be a mini series it's one of those things that once you get the book of it it's just a great book to have sort of that anthology feel to it with a bunch of really great writers really really great artists all working together to put together a single commandy story and giving themselves a bit of a challenge i thought it was bruce tim but yes bruce tim does the cover as well so very very cool in the letters page they say uh i guess peter tomasi is doing the next issue uh there's tomasi and adams adams which adams hopefully art adams i'd be intrigued if it was art adams i don't know because isn't art working still still working for mana for marvel could be art adams could be neil Oh, Neil Neil's been Adams. Doing stuff. He's been doing the variant covers for uh, Green Arrow. So yeah, Neil Adams would be a good choice as well. We both want to mention. Sebastian pointed this out. The second story uh, that Dan Abner writes, Dale, Dale Eaglesham does the art. We haven't seen his art in a while, at least not that we know of. He did uh, a bulk, if not almost all, of Jeff Johns' run on JSA, which is a criminally underrated book. Uh, JLA before JLA, sort of thing. Uh, B characters that were done really well by Johns. His uh, Dale Eaglesham's art is gorgeous. There's a giant ape in it, and he's just it looks so awesome. Yeah. Oh, every page is fantastic. All of his so, yeah. panel layouts, beautiful, beautiful work. And something I think both of us were looking forward to. Commandy does not disappoint uh, at all. So Commandy, very good. Obviously, Amazon's very good. If you're interested in where the Marvel universe is going, kind of want to reset 
uh, Civil War II The Oath. And then again, Avengers Monsters Unleashed number one. Uh, liked it. Liked the, the Spider-Man part of it. But, you know, half the book is what you've already read, unfortunately. But hopefully, uh, hopefully that trend does not continue. Uh, that's going to do it for this week. Um, we'll be back next week, I think. I hope. Probably. Probably will be. Find some number ones to talk about. Find some interesting things to talk about. Might re- may revisit some things. Hulk number two came out last week. Oh, very and nice. we sold out before we read it. So uh, we may take a look through that because that was one of our favorites. And uh, Gamora as well. I got some new Gamora nice, number nice. two copies. In. Same thing. Sold out of Gamora very quickly. It was something we wanted to get a chance. Maybe we'll revisit those uh, going forward. So for my partner, Sebastian, this is Chris saying we will talk to you next week. <laughs>